In the name of Allah, the most merciful and kind, you are about to listen to an audio representation of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. It does not replace a thorough studying of his life. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Chapter 3 The Undesirables Ammar ibn Yasir turned into the alleyway. He couldn't see two feet in front of him. But he was too cautious to bring a lamp or a candle with him, despite his frequent tripping. Ow, not again. Ammar straightened himself and looked around. Mecca was deserted at night. But Ammar did not want to take any chances. Nobody could see him. This endeavor was a secret to everyone but himself, and of course, the one who invited him. This is a bad idea. I just know it. Ammar had been hesitant all day, apprehensively teetering from accepting the invitation to ignoring it and back again. But the possibility had eventually caused him to leave his cot and sneak away from his home. The possibility was there, even if it was slight, there was a possibility that it might be true. All right, here it is. Ammar ibn Yasir arrived at the house. His heart sank. There were no lights behind the windows, no sounds or signs of life behind the walls. I knew it. I knew it wasn't true. Why did I... He stopped. His sensitive eyes picked up light coming from the narrow path adjacent to him. Someone was coming. Who's there? Ahmad was already making up excuses in his head. I fell asleep while doing chores. I was sleepwalking. I'm drunk. I don't know where I am. He began to panic. Ahmad, is that you? Suhaib? A man emerged from the alley, holding an oil lamp that illuminated the entire side of the mountain where the large house stood. The light hurt Ammar's eyes. Ammar! I thought that was you! <laughs> Suhaib, shh! What if someone hears us? Suhaib was a white-skinned man with a great mane of blonde hair and a beard. His magnificent blue eyes reflected relief. What are you doing here? Shh! Quiet. What? Put that light out. What? So, hey, put the light out. But then I will not be able to see. Yes, I know. But then nobody will be able to see us. Suhei put out the lamp with a sarcastic groan. Darkness returned. So, what are you doing here? I could ask you the same question. Ammar and Suhei stared at each other in the dark. I have come to listen to the words of Muhammad. Well, I have come for the same reason. Excellent! We are brothers in this matter! <laughs> so, hey, shh. Ammar? Suhaib? Is that you? Bilal? Ammar, come inside, quickly, before someone hears you two. Ammar and Suhaib entered. The house was dark but for a few faint candles in the corners. The man who had opened the door for them was a lean and muscular man with a very handsome face. His skin was the darkest shade of ebony. He was the exact physical opposite of the blonde and blue-eyed Suhaib. Ooh, why didn't you two knock? You can't be standing around outside like that. Sorry, Bilal. We were just checking on each other. Amar thought I was an enemy. <laughs> <laughs> It's always good to be cautious. I'm glad you two are here. So, is it true? 
Is he here? Not yet. We come in at different times to avoid suspicion. But yes, it's true. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Follow me. I was just telling Khabab about it. Ammar and Suhaib followed Bilal through the house into the next room. This room was much better lit. A timid man poked his head around the corner. Ammar recognized the man as Arqam ibn Abi Arqam from the Banu Makhzum. Not to worry, Arqam. Two newcomers. I can vouch for them. Arqam is part of this? Well, this is his house. Never thought someone from your clan would be a Muslim, did you? Um, not really from the Banu Makhzum. I'm just... What is a Muslim? Don't worry. I'll explain everything. Right here. This is where it's safe to talk. At the end of the room stood two figures. One was an extremely large man with a crooked nose, dark skin, and blonde hair and beard. The other, a teenager with a slightly lighter skin tone and a lanky frame. His forearms were muscular and hands calloused. Amar Suhaib, this is Magdad ibn al-Aswad. The large man extended his massive hand to Ammar. Welcome, brothers. Blessed evening. Oh, no. Not over here. As Muslims, we say, As-salamu alaykum. And this young man right here is Khabab ibn al-Arat. The teenager eyed Ammar suspiciously. You're that sword maker, aren't you? Um, Ammar's slave, right? That's right. You a servant? Mm, not exactly. Miqdad was admiring Suhaib's blonde hair. Ooh, brother. That is some nice dye you have on. Looks better than mine. <laughs> Thank you, but this is not a dye. I am naturally blonde. Hold on one moment. I recognize you. I've seen you working in the souks before. The Quraysh got a name for you, don't they? <laughs> oh, you mean Suhaib the... Suhaib the Roman! That's it! <laughs> a genuine yellow skin. We don't see too many Roman slaves in Mecca. Suhaib is a good man. A perfect fit for Islam. Psh, man, who isn't a good fit for Islam? I became a believer not long ago, never looked back. Bilad beat me to it, though. He's been recruiting slaves ever since. Ammar felt slight concern. Is everyone in Islam a slave? We are only slaves to Allah. He is the one creator of all. The Prophet Muhammad teaches us that all humankind is descended from Adam. The teenager, Khabbab, frowned. He seemed to be much less comfortable than Miqdad. You mean the Arabs are descendants from Adnan and Qatan, right? Sure, the Arabs are. But I'm talking about all humankind, way before Adnan and Qatan. When Allah created humans, he started with one male and one female. All of you are from Adam, and Adam was from dirt. That's what the messenger teaches us. Miqdad mused. Bilal. Surely there is some distinction between people. Muhammad isn't saying that Arabs are like any other race. He is, Suhaib. The Prophet teaches us that no Arab is superior to a non-Arab, nor a non-Arab superior to an Arab. Nor any white man superior to a black man, or a black man superior to a white man. Except by piety. Suhaib the Roman was beside himself with excitement. What? He really says that? That is what Islam teaches? So, am I equal to my master? <laughs> Little man, I think you are better than your master. For you have a sweet believing soul. I haven't accepted Islam yet. 
But you did say before we got here that you never believed in the idols of Mecca. Khabab looked away from Miqdad's grinning face, as though he couldn't admit his feelings in front of him. <sighs> I just don't see how a statue can benefit or harm me. <laughs> that's because it can't. And that's the news from the caravan. I always felt the same thing. How can a man make a statue and then worship his own creation? The prophet teaches us there is only one God. He is powerful over all things, and he has no partners or anything like him. Ammar ibn Yasir had heard enough. Well, this was nice, but I, I think I will go now. What? But why? Well, he didn't last long. Ah, uh, what's the matter, friend? You got a little statue at home you're afraid you'll offend? No, 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 nothing like that. Maybe he believes the rumors about Muhammad. I've heard a lot of them while making my swords. No, it's not that. Then what is it, Ammar? I invited you here because I thought your soul would yearn for this truth. Ammar was feeling quite frustrated. Come on, Bilal. Do I really need to point out the obvious? If you do, it's probably not obvious. Ahmad was beginning to think the sword maker was way too blunt for his taste. Alright, here it is. So, hey, you're a Roman slave with blue eyes. Bilal, you're an African slave as dark as they come. Khabib, I've just met you, but I'm assuming you're African too? No, I'm an Arab from Nijd. What tribe? Well, I... I'm from the Banu Tamim. But, Khabab suddenly became solemn. My tribe, they, they lost the war. They killed the men and took the women and children as slaves. I was pretty young when it happened. And I'm a half-breed. My mother was Abyssinian, my father Yemeni. My mother is a maula to the Benu Mahzum, which makes my family under their protection. Don't you see? We are servants and slaves. All right, all right. And I'm a refugee from Hadramot. So what? What does that got to do with Islam? We are all at the bottom of this nation. It doesn't matter if we're Arabs or not. We are not noble. We aren't part of the Quraysh. We were purchased or kidnapped, or in my case, at the mercy of another stronger clan. We don't have the luxury of choosing our own religion. I have a family I have to worry about. If the Benu Mahzum heard this, nay, if any of the clans heard any of you speaking like this, they wouldn't hesitate to beat you to death in front of the Kaaba. Don't you see? We're worthless in their eyes. Undesirables. But Amar, if this is a true religion that our creator wants us to follow... We will surely die for following it. I'm sorry, I respect Muhammad a lot. But he's from the Banu Hashim. His clan is respected and powerful. Abu Talib won't let anything really bad happen to him. As for us... Ammar shook his head in dismay. I have everything to lose, nothing to gain. My parents are old. They need me. I'm sorry, I can't be killed for this. Ammar turned to leave. His heart was in pain, for the possibility had excited him. But the rational part of his heart knew he just couldn't do this. I have even less than you, Ammar. Bilal's voice was so sad and broken that Ammar was compelled to stop even if he couldn't get himself to turn around. Maybe you're not rich or powerful, but at least you're free. Amar, I'm a slave, a black slave from Abyssinia, and it doesn't matter how well I speak Arabic, or how well I do chores. The Quraysh will never see me as anything other than a black slave. Amar looked at Bilal. Your mother's an Abyssinian? Well, so was my mother, but she was a slave to Abraha. 
the warlord that wanted to destroy the sacred house? With the elephants? Yes. I am born to the enemy of the Quraysh. I inherited their hate, and I will always be despised by them. You're scared they'll beat you? They already beat me. If I get my master the wrong perfume, he, he gets the whip out on me, like I'm a mule. But then, I met Muhammad, and he treats me like a brother. He calls me to worship Allah, because Allah is my master, and his as well. And maybe I'll never be a, a governor of Damascus, but as a Muslim, I can enter Jannah, the paradise of the believers. Umayyah ibn Khalaf can have this world all he wants. We're all going to die one day. But with Islam, I actually have a reward for my struggle. I can live forever in the company of the martyrs, the righteous, and the truthful too. Bilal's gaze pierced Ammar's heart. You can walk out those doors right now, Ammar ibn Yasir. But walk out knowing you were wrong about one thing. And what is that? You have everything to gain and everything to lose. If you answer the call of Allah's messenger, you will not be worthless. Not to your true master. Ammar's feet seemed to be nailed to the floor. Suhaib, Bilal, Miqdad, and Khabbab were all staring at him. Maybe it won't hurt to stay, friend. You cared enough to leave your bed and come here tonight. Why not stay to meet the Muhammad? Very well. Hey, there we go. Ammar ibn Yasir sat next to Bilal. He watched more and more Muslims enter the house of Arqam over the course of the night. He saw nobles and Qurashis sitting down right next to servants and slaves. They greeted each other warmly with Assalamu Alaikum. Women, children, old people, black, white, Arab, non-Arab, nobody acted like the superior of anyone else. Is that Abdul Hamid? He became a Muslim? Yes, but the Prophet gave him a new name, Abdurrahman ibn Auf. Who is Al-Rahman? He is Allah, the most merciful. He cares about the believers and is more merciful to them than their own mothers. That's so beautiful. And then the air shifted. Before he saw anything, he knew he was here. All the Muslims shifted too, expectantly looking at the threshold. He's here. And in came Muhammad. The room illuminated as though an extra lantern was ignited. On one side of him was the thin but devout Abu Bakr. On his other side, he held the hand of the blind Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. Ammar could hardly breathe. He had seen Muhammad many times in his life, but something about him now hit him like a boulder. It was as though a noble king had entered the room. But unlike a king, Muhammad was dressed modestly. He flaunted no wealth and carried himself with dignity. But he looked at the room with humble satisfaction, like he was gazing upon his children. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, he mused. The Prophet's eyes caught Ammar's for the briefest moment. Ammar felt his soul jump with joy. The Muslims sat and listened to the Prophet by the dim lamplight. He spoke about Islam, about Allah, how he was the only one worthy of worship. Allah had no partners or offspring, he explained, completely captivating Ammar with his words. He spoke about the day of resurrection, when all would rise from the dead to stand before Allah's judgment. On the day of resurrection, Allah will hold the whole earth and fold the heaven with his right hand and say, 
I am the king. Where are the kings of the earth? He said. He described Jannah, the paradise of the believers, and its eight splendid gates. Whoever was one of the people of fasting will be called from the gate of Arrayan. Whoever was one of the people of charity will be called from the gate of charity, he said. Abu Bakr politely chimed in. My mother and father enraged him for you, O Messenger of Allah. There is no need for anyone to be called from all of these gates. But will anyone be called from all of them? The Prophet smiled. Yes, and I hope you will be one of them. Ammar was taken aback by the reverence Abu Bakr showed the Prophet, but also by the Prophet's kindness and patience in how he answered the question. Suhaib the Roman looked like a child who had just found his parents after many years apart. Even the typically blunt Khabab seemed lost in a trance as he admired the Prophet, peace be upon him. Then the Muslims stood up for prayer. The Qur'an was by far the most beautiful thing Ammar had ever heard. He merges the night into the day and the day into the night and has subjected the sun and the moon, each orbiting for an appointed term. That is Allah, your Lord. All authority belongs to Him. But those idols you invoke besides Him do not possess even the skin of a date stone. If you call upon them, they cannot hear your calls. And if they were to hear, they could not respond to you. On the day of judgment, they will disown your worship of them. And no one can inform you like the all-knowledgeable. Abu Bakr cried the entire prayer, and Ahmad could hardly blame him in the slightest. Finally, at the end of the night, the Prophet, peace be upon him, looked at the congregation and asked if anyone wanted to join Islam. Suhaib flew up in the air at once, as did Khabbab. Ammar found his feet walking to the Prophet on their own accord. He didn't fight back. I bear witness that there is no God except Allah, and you are his messenger and servant. Bilal was beaming at him as he approached next. My parents, Yasser and Sumayya, I will bring them next time so that they can become Muslims too, O Messenger of Allah. The Prophet extended his arm to Ammar ibn Yasir. He took it and gave his oath of allegiance and declared his Islam. Hey, welcome to Islam, brother. You too, my Roman friend. Good job, Ammar. May Allah forgive you for all your sins and make you firm on his religion. The Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed them not to leave just yet. Arqam would signal when the street outside was clear. The Muslims left the house of Arqam in batches as the sun ascended into the Meccan sky. On his way out, Ammar found himself walking shoulder to shoulder with Qabbab ibn al-Arad. <sighs> so, you're a believer now? Yes, I am. And you will hold on to this religion firmly? I will. Good. You'll need to be strong. Why do you say that? Because nothing this big stays secret for long. And when this does become known, people like you and I, your Roman friend, even Bilal, will be the first to be punished for it. So you better be prepared for that day. Khabbab ibn al-Arad disappeared into a crowd of people, leaving Ammar to reflect on what he said. Two years later. Everyone! 
Everyone, Muhammad is calling people to the mountain. He has an announcement. Ammar followed the crowd to Mount Safa. His heart was beating quickly. Was this the day the Rasul, peace be upon him, announced Islam to the people of Mecca? Khabbab came next to him. Do you think? Yes, this is it. The two of them came just in time to see Abu Lahab throw pebbles and sand at the Prophet's face. Put your hands, Muhammad. Is this why you gathered us here today, so that we can hear more of your lunacy? Oh, people of Quraysh, who will join me in this? He said. Ali was the only one who spoke up. Me, I will join you, Muhammad. May Allah bless him. That kid has some serious bravery. Khabbab. One of the men behind them had heard what Khabbab had said. He frowned and walked away. I think he might have heard you. Khabbab hammered at the piece of iron, orange with heat. By the end of that afternoon, it would be a shining sword, perfect for selling. The money, of course, would go to his master, not him. But he still had immense pride for his skilled work. He knew he had messed up earlier that day, though. Someone had definitely heard what he said. But he found himself not caring as he dipped the burning iron into the water to cool. A group of young men were making their way towards his blacksmith stand. The man leading the group was his master's brother. Khabab remained calm and continued working. The group reached him. Most of them were from the Khuza'a, his master's tribe. Hey, slave. Working hard? No, this doesn't take too much effort. You know, slave, we just heard some news about you. It's so crazy, it's definitely not true. And what is it, Siba? You know, man, <laughs> it's just so crazy. We heard you rejected your religion and followed the religion of the man from Benu Hajj. Siba'a got very close to Khabbab's face. The others in his posse were slowly making a circle around his workbench. Khabbab sighed. No, I haven't rejected my religion. I believed in Allah and rejected your gods. And I believe that Muhammad is the servant and messenger of Allah. Khabbab put the clasps down and took off his gloves. Then he looked at Siba'a. Is that all? You, you bastard! Get him, you miserable slave! Get him! Get him! Khabbab was a little upset that he wouldn't be able to finish his sword. It was going to be a real piece of art. He curled in a ball as the fists and kicks came at him from every direction. His last thought was, it has begun. Before someone's shoe connected with the back of his head, and everything went black. You're listening to The Sound of Sirah. Brought to you by Islam by Touch.